Someone who has been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, she's a virtuous woman who can help you find that woman in your life. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, here is your host, Minister Diane Jones. Hey, people. Hello, hello. How are you? This is Minister Diane, and I do have Chris um, in the background with me. Um, I'm going to jump in and pick up uh, from where we left off last week. But let me say happy day to you first. Let me say I'm glad to um, have you back on the air with us. And let me say hi to Chris and give him a chance to holler at y'all before we get busy. Um, Don't want to run out of time tonight, so I'm kind of like taking advantage of uh, this opportunity um, honey, you there? Hey, hey, I'm here. How you doing? Doing just wonderful. Ready to get on with it. Ready to get <laughs> Let's get it on. I shouldn't do that, should I, baby? <laughs> okay, well, good, good, good. Um, as usual, I'd love for you to chime in if you have something to say what you say is always, um, you know, a blessing and um, just rich, 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 rich with wisdom. So what I want to do tonight is pick up where we left off last week. We were talking about um, our outreach efforts, um, why we had been gone and off the air for a while, and I had told our listeners that we were working on getting your friend and coach, fellow coach, Sherman Vernon, to um, commit to a day when we could uh, interview him, where you could interview him. And so you want to tell our listeners uh, what we've accomplished? Well, we um, next weekend, I mean, next Monday, the whatever next Monday is. The, the first. Uh, <laughs> the first. Mm-hmm. We're going to go with um, the men taking over the radio show. And so I'll be hosting and um, going over some of the, because we always talk about the basketball ministry and what I do. So we're going to, um, I'll have a guest and I'll interview and we'll talk a little bit about what God is doing um in my ministry, and I'll have I'll have my guest uh, Sherman Vernon, one of my coaches that I 
coached with for years, and uh, we recently did some work together with Air Force, and um, it'll be exciting. All right. Sounds exciting to me. (laughs) So for any sports fans, basketball lovers um, who are Christians, and even if you're not, I hope that this will be, you know, exciting and interesting for you. All right. So that being said, um, we were, let's see, what were we, what else were we doing last last week? We were talking about our ministry resources. Uh, and so tonight I'm just going to quickly recap some of our ministry resources and pick up with one of them that we started a book reading on. Now, i got to let you all know um, that I am sipping my tea. My belly's full. Chris and I just got up from the dinner table. So um, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. I hope that you guys are good to go because I'm good to go. (laughs) This isn't anything special tonight. It's a decaf blend, um, but um, I want you to join me. So if you don't have your tea, you know, you're going to have a break time coming up, and you'll be able to grab something, I hope. All right? If not, then you got to be prepared for the next time. So we can sip tea together. And I want to remind you all that I would love to hear from some of you. I forget to put our call number out there. Um, Many times I have forgotten to say anything about that. Um, I think I probably just forgot about it because we weren't getting calls. (laughs) But I ain't giving up. I am not, uh, excuse my Ebonics, I am not giving up on that request. <laughs> Our call number is 866-404-6519. If you are blessed by this ministry, if you have a comment or a question about something that we're talking about tonight, give me a call. I'd love to hear from you, okay, and know how... Um, this work is affecting you. So let me see here. Our ministry resources. We have a couple of books that we do make available. Um, They are available on our radio show page, our host page. You can find them there. The Story of Me, which is uh, my personal testimony. Um, Overcoming Sexual Abuse, which is uh, how should I say, a continuation of my testimony, but more of a help manual, a help resource to help the the reader overcome sexual abuse. And it can benefit with other traumas as well, okay? Um, I, I should say, too, and I didn't say this last week, that my passion is more for for women, and my target audience is more women, um, more so towards women, but these things can benefit anybody, a man or a woman, okay, a uh, young, young lady or a young man, you know, a teen, someone who's of, of the, the age that they can um, handle this, all right? So um, the third book... The Story of Me, a Black Nurse, is a combination of my testimony. And again, 
a, a helpful source, a helpful resource, because um, I wrote that book when I was um, going through and dealing with a lot of uh, struggles in my career and in my uh, in the workplace, and um, I was man, I was learning a lot of things, and I was um, ended up being very disappointed. I ended up being very disillusioned and um, just, uh, wow, the Lord really, really had to, um, I, I believe that he was teaching me things and preparing me for, you know, for some of the things that I'm even doing now in my life. But um, walking through some of that is just not easy. So I was very you know, disillusioned about the realities of nursing, for one thing, because I went into nursing because I actually care about people and wanted to um, help people, wanted to help care for people. And then um, going into that type of a profession and a secular profession at that, a secular arena, being a young lady who had experienced trauma, you know, serious traumas in my life, having not really having a role model or anyone to pattern after, um, being a Christian on top of that, although I was a, a, a baby in the Lord, um, I found it all to be quite tough. <laughs> and so that was my inspiration for writing that book, and I just want to share it with y'all. Okay, so uh, I think what I'll do tonight is I'll I'll get a little bit more reading in I'll read uh, a little bit, and then we'll talk, okay? So here we go. Just just a second here. I did that faster than I expected. <laughs> All right, so chapter one. I think this is where I left off. I didn't actually mark it. So if I'm repeating this paragraph, please forgive me. All righty. <laughs> It'll be a, re a good recap. Okay. So that time in my life was very dark, full of change and unfamiliar territory. In spite of the many obstacles I faced, I completed the RN program at Santa Barbara City College. This is the story of how I made this journey. The struggles and rewards that followed told from my perspective as a black nurse in a white-owned and operated industry. I really don't even know why I chose the medical profession. I seemed to fall into it. Was it my destiny? I believe it was, because I believe we all have a destiny. I believe we gravitate towards things such as careers that we were meant to do, because somewhere inside of us we were meant to do what we are doing. I have experienced a love, maybe love is too strong a word, in quotes, like hate relationship with my career choice almost from day one. Let me read that again. I have experienced a love, maybe love is too strong a word, 
like should replace love. Hate relationship with my career choice almost from day one. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have anybody in my family, this is Adlib right here, that was in the healthcare profession that I can recall at the time. So where that came from, I don't even know. But I'll do some more reading after the break. tragic past shattered your future or your now don't let it this is i'm not the woman i used to be i'm free with minister diane jones and we'll be right back after these equipping the saints ministries our mission is to equip and mature the people god calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness to create soldiers for the army of the Lord and to impact our communities. We are home based in Waldorf, Maryland. If you would like more information, you may email us at etsministriesinc at gmail.com or write to us at ETS Post Office Box 72, Waldorf, Maryland 20602. If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls and we can make information available to you by email. E-T-S The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, physical abuse, abandonment, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived traumas such as molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational for those who may find themselves in Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, or any of the major bookstores. The Story of Me. I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com, the show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right. That was pretty fast. I give myself a hand clap that I was able to get that all in in the first segment. But let's pick up where I left off reading. And I'm reading from The Story of Me, A Black Nurse. This is one of our 
ministry resources, and I'll tell you why um, I made this available as a resource as we continue, okay? Like many blacks in America, I came from an underprivileged background. In my case, I was not always underprivileged. I was born into a military family. My father was a technical sergeant in the United States Air Force. My mother, a homemaker. We traveled and lived in different countries, states, and towns. This provided me with a broader view of life and people in general. We had a normal, in some ways, more than normal upbringing until alcohol abuse and mental illness destroyed our home. We became wards of the court. I ended up in a foster home with my four brothers and sisters. Up to that point, there were no professional people in my life. There were no college graduates, at least not in my immediate family circle. I don't even recall having the examples of hardworking lay people in my environment. My grandparents were hardworking, but I only lived with them for short periods, thus they didn't have that great an influence on my work ethics or career choices. Some of the other people in my life included, but were not limited to, pimps, drug addicts, high school dropouts, high school graduates, and welfare dependents. There were positive influences in my life on a small scale. My foster mother, Granny, was a churchgoer. She was the mother of our church. She took us in even though she was disabled from a stroke. She found a home for us and gave us a somewhat normal life. I was in high school when I decided to enter the medical profession. The school offered a certificate nursing assistant program. I would soon be graduating from high school and I needed some sort of job skills to to be able to provide for myself. It was what you might call a practical decision. I took the course and acquired my CNA certificate, Certified Nursing Assistant. That was in 1980. Did I hear you take a deep breath, Chris? Were you wanting to say something? No, that wasn't me. I was muted. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. That was in 1980. My first job was at a convalescent home. I was very quiet and shy. I did my work and went home. I don't have vivid memories of that experience. A certified nursing assistant is the first level care provider in the nursing chain of command. At that time, it consisted of a minimum six-week course that taught basic bedside care skills and principles. These skills included tasks such as showering, bathing, feeding, changing diapers, and charting requirements. My course was a bit more extensive. I can't be exact, but I believe it was a school semester. We were taught theory, which included the basic anatomy and physiology of each body system, the effects of aging, 
and basic skills for caring for the acutely ill and the elderly person. We trained in nursing homes and at acute care hospitals. Prior to this time, it was not necessary to be certified to work in a nursing home or hospital. The position was known as a nursing assistant, also known as NA. You learn the job on the job. As a standard, you were given two days of orientation to the facility, then you were on your own. This was the standard for CNAs, too. My patient load was usually 10, 12, or more on the day shift. The times I worked evenings, I would have 25 or so patients. At times, I worked the graveyard shift and had 50 patients to take care of because we were short-staffed. On these nights, I began my rounds usually by 11.30 p.m., By the time I finished the first round, it was time to start the next one around 2 a.m. Making rounds consisted of checking on my patients, taking their vital signs, changing their diapers if needed, and turning them. Back then, we called diapers diapers. Now, we call them briefs. On the morning shift, I remember having to wash and dress most of my patients, get them up, take them to the dining room, some by wheelchair, others walked with help to breakfast, feed several of them, lay them down for naps, uh, take the remaining ones to activities, give showers, and change them take them back to the dining room for lunch, feed again, lay them down for naps, do your charting, and go home. We did not have the fancy equipment and supplies that are available today. We used our own muscles for transferring and lifting. There were no hydraulic lifts, gate belts, or special mattresses. We used cloth diapers that we had to rinse out not disposable briefs. We did not use gloves. We washed our own linen and diapers for reuse. Yes, in those days we used safety pins to pin their diapers just like you would use on a baby when diapering them. In addition to our routine duties, we had special assignments such as cleaning the shower rooms, laundry duty, or cleaning the break rooms. Bedpans and basins were made of metal. They were sterilized and packaged for reuse, too. We were supposed to accomplish this in an eight-hour day, and for the most part, we did. Some of my patients were senile, some oriented. They ranged from ambulatory to bedridden, and from nice to mean and cantankerous. In those days, it was common to see patients with huge, smelly bed sores and nasal gastric feeding tubes. We were required to aid our patients' bowel function when they were not able to do it themselves. That meant putting on a pair of gloves, 
applying lubrication to one's finger, placing the finger in the rectum, and digging the feces out. It was hard work. Most of our patients did not have family involvement. It broke my heart to see them in the condition they were in, with no one to visit and love them. I remember thinking way back then that one day I would like to own a facility of my own so I could run it right. At some point during that time period, I got married. I was 18. Over the next five years, I worked as a CNA in various convalescent homes. By this time, I'd been spit at, yelled at, cursed, hit, and pinched. I began to feel like a butt wiper instead of an aide. A few of the patients were appreciative. Most of them acted as though they expected and deserved care. I still have a vivid memory of a very heavy, very slow-moving white female patient. Her voice was deep and monotone, whose name I can't mention. She would demand things of the staff, not ask, put me on the toilet, wipe my butt. When I tried to encourage her to wipe her own butt, she had full use of both arms and hands. She clearly let me know that was my job. Of course, I had to do it if she refused to, which she always did. One particular day, she even told me, go back to Africa where you belong. She was upset with me for trying to encourage her to help herself. I had not dealt with such, with much racial bias up to that point in my life, so I was actually surprised and truly offended by her remarks. I replied, I've been told that there were bigots in this country, but up till now I had not met one. So it is true, they do exist. Naturally, she did not like my response. I didn't care. I really wanted to slap her. Old or not, she was a racist. I did not slap her, but I did tell my supervisor of my feelings. I did not have to take care of her the rest of that day. <laughs> that got me to uh, page four. Um, and that's just kind of, I guess you could say, an intro to my nursing career. <laughs> it was backbreaking, hard work. It was ah, I saw the cues, but I'll be back after the break. the tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. <laughs> 
a black nurse. This narrative is about the struggles of being a black woman and a black professional in a society bound with racial and gender bias. She has hopes, dreams, needs, a purpose, and aspirations, but faces constant opposition to fulfilling these basic human requirements. Like so many people of color before her, she achieves some measure of success, but her success is minor compared to what she must do to achieve it. It's time for a change. Get your copy today from AuthorHouse.com, this show's host page, or any major book retailer like Amazon.com. A black nurse. <laughs> I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com, the show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right, people. This is me. Um, I hope that you're still able to enjoy your tea, even though I was describing what we call in the healthcare profession the removal of an impaction or helping someone, aiding someone to have a bowel movement when their bowels, when they can't move their bowels on their own. On their own. Well, years ago, we had to actually help them relieve themselves. We had to do what I said in the book. And um, I haven't had to do that in many years, and the work that I do now, I don't have to do that. But um, I believe that that is still a practice, that is still a common practice, and it's a, a realistic part of nursing, just like the smelly bed sores used to be. Oh, my goodness, I, I don't see those that much anymore, at least not in my circles. But <clears throat> I said all that to say that um, it was hard hard backbreaking work <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> and i felt like um coming from my background i didn't really have a frame frame of reference for this type of work school prepared me but only minimally um i felt like once i got out there in the real world that i knew the skills I did know the skills. I was good at picking up on the skills and learning how to give a bath, how to do the skills. But um, I did not feel that school prepared me for the realities, the overall realities of the healthcare profession, not even at the entry level. Okay? School doesn't, school doesn't prepare you for racism. <laughs> School, you know, that wasn't, that. I, I don't remember if that was talked about. Uh, maybe it was, um, but if it was, it still didn't 
adequately prepare me. I mean, I don't know if you can be adequately prepared for something like that until you experience it. Um, so that's not a criticism of the program. I felt like my program was a very good program. And the fact that it was in a high school I thought was excellent because it gave me uh, an entry-level job skill so that I could make a living and take care of myself. It didn't prepare me for the inequality, the unfair practices, um, the so-called politics. That's what the world likes to call the um, the good old boys club and the uh, and uh, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, and and I tell you what you want to hear, but that's not really the truth, and and we're going to demand more of you than you can really. Um, do, but we're going to make it sound good. Um, the world calls it politics, but in reality, that's it's really <laughs> lying and conniving and cheating, and um, there's probably some other in words that I could use to describe what politics w- really is in my, in my books. Um, it didn't prepare you for discrimination and the attacks that you can face and will face as a Christian, as a believer. I was a baby Christian, as I said, but I was still a Christian. And I was trying to um, use the work ethic that I was taught based on Scripture and based on my convictions in the workplace. But, um, you know, um, it... What am I trying to say here? It, it, after five years of that, I found that I, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I started to feel burnout. I started to feel like um, this is not for me, and I won't get ahead of myself in the book. But I wanted to share these kinds of experiences with some other youth, some other young person that is maybe getting ready to go into the workforce, you know, planning for college, uh, maybe in college, um, so that they, if they don't have role models, you know, like I didn't have role models, you know, they they didn't have a mother or an auntie or someone who could come home and tell them stories about nursing and not just nursing, but the workforce. I wanted to be able to share that with them and help them to be more emotionally and psychologically prepared, not just skill-wise. And things I do feel were even more solid in those days that you did get a more grounded education with whatever vocation you did go into because we had such things as vocational training still, and you could actually learn a skill and you could be suited skillfully to to enter a profession. Now, um, this is my opinion, now people go to colleges and universities and they learn a lot of theory and a lot of ideas and philosophies and whatnot, and they come out with a four-year degree or or however many years they're there, and they think that they're smarter and they may be educational-wise as far as knowledge, but how to apply that knowledge, how to apply that knowledge, and how to make it work for you 
is another story. And it's like different world now. It's like a totally different world now. People think that getting the theory equips them for reality. And it doesn't. In my opinion, it, it, it does not. And and there's a, a disconnect there that me and Chris talk about a lot that's, that's, that's still frustrating for me. Um, to me, there is nothing better than hands-on. Hands-on experience. Um, my granny used to tell me, I believe it was my granny, that experience is a great teacher. <laughs> and once you learn something from... From walking through it, you don't forget it, and you can build on it, and you can relate to the other people that have to do what you're doing instead of someone who goes and gets a degree and comes out of their program thinking that they can um, effectively lead and guide others in how to do what they can't even do, what they're not even, haven't never even done. A good example, and I don't even know if I should do this but there's a show that Chris and I like to watch and it's um uh it's something boss uh Chris do you remember the name of that show the the boss or the bosses or um un- oh that's undercover boss undercover thank, boss thank you honey thank you undercover boss i think to me that that tells the story that i'm trying to describe okay the CEOs and and owners and and people that maybe inherited their companies from their fathers or someone else who built the company, you know, and they, you know, maybe went to school or something like that, and then they come in undercover to actually learn what's going on behind the scenes, and then they portray how blown away they are at the challenges and the struggles that the employees are truly facing because somewhere, somebody up top, and it's, and it's often them, but somebody up top is telling them that it better be done this way and it can be done that way and it can be done at this cost and with these resources and the people down there, you know, that are actually doing the work are going through hell, just being, you know, just, man, struggling and and, and just, you know, the the morale is low and, and people are just, they don't like their jobs, but they're just doing it because they have to make ends meet. And you find those few that they're 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 the star employees that can excel regardless of the working conditions, and you know they have a positive attitude and so forth and so on. But that show really describes the essence of what I'm trying to say about experience versus education. <laughs> the two are not in the same ballpark. Okay, so. Um, Working in a secular arena as a Christian, especially as a Christian, can can really be hard. It can be hard. There's biblical examples of that. There's examples of people like Joseph who excelled at what he did, and God blessed his hands and gave him favor, and everything that he touched, um, you know, basically multiplied, and 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 he did well. But yet, he was targeted. He was targeted by Potiphar's wife, who was taken taken in by him because he was so talented and different and skillful. Um, so then she decided that she she wanted to have him. You know that she wanted she sexually harassed him. That's a 
that's a word that we use now, but it it ain't new. It isn't new. <laughs> she sexually harassed him and for doing a good job and for being dedicated to his boss, her husband, and to the Lord and refusing to compromise his values, he was imprisoned. He was lied upon and imprisoned and suffered a lot for standing out and doing a good job, okay? When Daniel, as one of the children of Israel, ended up in um, captivity, he was he was put in the higher-up uh, department, if you will. We would call it a department today, but he was put in the higher-up uh, levels of government because of his skill and his ability, because of his excellence, his spirit of excellence and and his, you know, I don't remember if he was an actual scribe or what he was in, in, in Israel before he went into captivity, but it got him recognized, okay? And so he was put in the higher level of government, but because of that same skill and ability, he was targeted by the other men of the government who were jealous and envious and and hated him and wanted to sabotage him for his his standard. And so they concocted this story that got him in a lot of trouble and got him persecuted and he ended up in the lion's den for doing a good job and for being a man of integrity, okay, and for loving the Lord, all right? I could give you other examples with the um, the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, similar situation. And as you read my resource, you'll find that I experience similar situations. And I know of other people personally who, have, who I have supported and helped to navigate some similar situations. And I'll be back after the break. tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Millions of people are sexually abused each and every day. Not just by rape, child molesters, or pedophiles, but by choice and through lifestyle preferences. Who would enjoy being raped again and again? Why is rape spiritual as well as physical? Can a sex offender be healed from abusing others? Find answers to these and other questions in the pages of Overcoming Sexual Abuse by Minister Diane Jones. Available online at authorhouse.com. This show's host page Amazon.com and any major bookstore overcoming sexual abuse. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. 
Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, Trisha Goyer, that's G-O-Y-E-R dot com. Trisha's vision is to be a voice of hope and possibility for teenage girls, pregnant teens, mothers, and wives. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right. This is me, and we're coming to the close of the hour. We've got this last segment here to... um, packet full of as much as I can on tonight's subject. We are sharing with you um, one of our ministry resources, uh, and it's called The Story of Me, a Black Nurse. Um, The reason why we make this available to you now, you can find it on our show page. You can order it through our publisher. Um, That's probably the best way, uh, the most efficient way to do it, but if you contact me and request it, then I can also get it to you. And um, I should say that if you, the the only reason that we request uh, payment for these items is because it costs us to publish them. It costs us to publish them and it costs us to um, even conduct this show, to be on the air, you know, to, to pay for this time and, and whatnot. So, um, if you're really struggling to be able to afford it, you know, email me and let me know what your situation is and we'll see what we can do, okay? So back to what I was talking about, we made this resource available because I suspect that there are many people like myself who maybe you come from foster care, maybe you come from a foster care situation that's not so good and and, and maybe you just made you know you did good to make it to that point and you don't have strong family examples of career people or um grandparents or parents or uncles or aunts who can you know like talk you through the challenges of entering the workforce and you've got to make a living okay and you find yourself in a situation a job or a career that maybe you didn't even really desire or maybe you did desire it. Maybe this was something that you sought out and worked towards, but you find yourself disillusioned like I did, and you are a believer, and you just don't have a lot of support and help available to you. 
I just wanted to share my experiences to encourage people like myself, okay? First of all, you need to understand that, um, you know, working in a secular arena can be difficult. It will be difficult if you're a true believer. I'm not talking about, you know, um, a milk toast. Uh, <laughs> what's another word? Uh, uh, hypocritical, or even uh, modern. A lot of modern day Christians are very worldly themselves. So I'm talking about someone of the caliber of like Joseph. I'm talking about someone who, who is really living the walk, who will not compromise their values. For example, when other people in your workplace, you know, cut corners and lie about it or cheat the company out of products or steal products and, you know, take supplies home and use them for themselves or, you know, falsify documents or ask you to falsify documents and you cannot do that because of your um, conscience and your work ethic and because you don't want to, um, you know, bring a reproach upon the Lord. Um, when other people abuse their power and, you know, uh, mistreat you even, um, like they did Daniel, like they did Joseph, for doing your job, for, you know, holding to your standards, and, and you can't retaliate. You know, you have to be an example regardless of the circumstances, and sometimes that can cost you a promotion because, you know, in the secular world, you, you're supposed to go along to get along. Okay, until until the jig is up, or until people get busted, or some there's you know there's a whistleblowing situation, and someone you know um, brings a lawsuit or whatever, then everybody wants to throw blame on someone else, and they want to throw you under the bus or anybody else under the bus if they can to save their own hide. You know, it's a dog eat dog type of a world. Okay, but yet you have to hold up the standard. And you have to show patience and and love and um, you know you're still. That doesn't mean that you're a little wuss or a wimp and that you can't speak up for yourself. Um, matter of fact, I'm had started years ago, um, actually around 2010, I think, around the time that I wrote Overcoming Sexual Abuse and finished the Black Nurse story. I actually had started. A little, um, a little booklet on, uh, da, 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 uh, like a resource for minorities in the workplace. I, I started a little booklet and I wanted to spell out, you know, kind of how you how you can survive in the workplace, um, and some some things that I've learned over the years about how you how you can uh, just. Cover yourself. Cover yourself and, you know, you, you actually, well, that's going to get me off topic, so I better not go there. <laughs> I'm getting re-inspired because I started that booklet and then I put it down because other things started happening, like this radio show for one thing, so I didn't get to finish it. But, um, you know, it just just basically passing on some nuggets of the things that I've experienced and things that I've actually 
been able to tell other people who were going through very difficult times on their job, tell them how to navigate the situation. And we saw the Lord turn the situation around in some instances where God, you know, actually intervened because this person did what I advised them to do. And uh, it was tough. It was tough. I mean, my, my goodness, these... These people can put you through stuff on a job where you come home having panic attacks, you know, where you um, you can't sleep at night because you're thinking about the job and you're worried about, you know, how you're being treated and you're doing, you know, everything that you're that, that's required of you, but that's not enough because the person just doesn't like you. Um, you have to understand that. These things happen in general because we live in a fallen world, okay? This is the result of us living in a fallen world. This is the result of sin being in the world, in the, in the, in the workplace. If the company is not ran by true Christians that live the life and that, that positive attitude permeates throughout their organization, there's a big chance that you're going to face this. And if you're a Christian, it can be worse. It can be worse. Okay. Um, It goes with the territory. This world is, uh, most workplaces are based on a a world system, a worldly system. And and, And in my opinion, it's actually even getting harder to navigate. I know some people who, they work jobs now that are how do i say they're so they're so regimented and so regulated it's like the job is trying to make it like like you as a person are a computer okay like you think function and operate like a computer basically these people have to you know once they arrive they have to sign in and they have to the, the their computers actually monitor their keystrokes how many keystrokes they do a day monitors if they leave the computer or not to go on a bathroom break you have to sign in and out of the computer to let the computer know that you stepped out to get a bathroom break and and they can't even get a lunch a legitimate lunch when the even though the labor laws say that you're supposed to get a 30 minute lunch break or possibly an hour lunch break but they can't legitimately get that break because if they do then they'll come up short on their quota you know what their the output that they're supposed to produce in that time frame okay and whether you have a difficult case that takes more time or not um it's supposed to balance out but oftentimes it it doesn't and so it's it's just getting more and more stressful it's just getting more and more stressful and and unrealistic and the human element is being removed from a lot of jobs you know you're supposed to function like you don't have responsibilities at home you know like you like you don't have a a sick parent or 
you know, you're supposed to still be able to get that that quota out. <laughs> you're not allowed to have a better day or a worse day, but still be there, you know, because that's a part of life. And, and you just may not be your sharpest that day, but you're still there. And your commitment and your loyalty doesn't matter like it used to. So you're dispensable. Most jobs are, at least in my world, are at will. Now, you're an, you're they're an at will employer and you're an at will employee. So, you know, in biblical times, if you got a job, so to speak, you know, it was for a seven year contract. Okay, that was the minimum. You were secured to have a seven year contract in the job. All right, because this is how important it was to to the Lord that people knew how to, for one thing, that they they had provision, okay, and he gave some guidelines about how masters were supposed to treat their servants and how servants were supposed to reverence their masters, okay, in the working relationship, okay. Oh, man, I wasn't looking at the cues. I got to go, people. I guess we'll pick this up at another time. Until then, good night. (laughs) 